And the teacher goes, stop trying to disrupt the class, Sean, with all your Uranus and Uranus. Okay, welcome to the Tales from the Ditch podcast. My name is Sean. Here I have with me smoking a pipe is Seth and Jake. Jake, say your last name in German. Vatgav. Jake Vatgav. Sprechen Sedeich. Okay, here's a story about the ditch. So we were playing this game called Sniper. And uh, the story's not really going anywhere. I just want to kind of set the set the time frame like it's a a Spike Lee joint so you can understand what was going on at the time. There was wildfires burning in Gold Ranch Casino and the air was dark red with smoke and sunlight filtered through the smoke and Seth and I just wanted to play a game of sniper, which was weird because we didn't do any sniping in the game, but we had nerf guns. We had nerf guns, but we didn't have nerf darts. It was the honor system. And we would try to, the idea was to shoot each other um, first, be the first person to shoot the person. And there was a bent towards sneaking up on one another, which I think is where the term sniper came from. And so we would try to sneak up on one another, shoot each other, and you would just kind of cock the Nerf gun and go bang. But there was nothing coming out of it, and it was just the honor system. And it was amazing that it worked the honor system because neither of us were honorable but when it came to killing each other we were quite honorable and anyways it got really in depth usually and it was usually just seth and i whenever we brought somebody else to try to come play they didn't get it they would get impatient because you and i would wait and miss school (laughs) in order to win yeah seth would uh find a good hiding spot and just wait there for me to come come find him and he usually had more patience than i and so i would eventually stumble in front of where he was hiding and he would jump out and get me also i think people were like you're not shooting anything out of the gun so how does it count i don't understand this whole honor system thing and also people would get hurt remember one time our jet friend jesse came up with us do you remember that and he like cut his foot open in the ditch Something like that. Yeah, he uh, he always got in trouble. Poor kid. He was bleeding a lot. Yeah, it was brutal. Seth and I, having vast knowledge of how snipers worked, based on the Tom Berenger movie Sniper, and also Arnold Schwarzenegger from Predator, we would start to shed articles of clothing in exchange for mud and and cheat grass and make ourselves little ghillie suits, <laughs> and um. And it would get so crazy where Seth would literally crawl towards me uh, probably several hundred feet over the course of three or four hours. It was insane. (coughs) And so anyways, here's one time that I remember I was tracking you and and you always kind of won. You were usually in the lead, but every now and then I would get a win. And I remember this one time I was doing really good because I knew where you were because I saw you. And so I was kind of staying in the distance. And where we were, we were kind of up out of the ditch where there's this kind of mountainous area with really tall sagebrush. 
And so I was staying below the sagebrush, kind of crawling towards you and where I knew you were. And I spent a really long time doing that, about an hour. And so uh, I was coming towards the ditch, which was full of water. I was like on a perpendicular path towards the ditch. And soon I was going to intersect the ditch and it was full of water. And, uh, and I knew that you were between me and the water. And so I took a quick dog leg to the right, uh, and went from tree to tree, jumped in the water or silently slid into the water and slowly just floated down because the ditch has a little bit of current to it. I floated down towards you and I was getting ready to pop up and grab you. And when, once I got to the spot where you were and I stood up and I looked for you and you weren't there anymore. So I was like, crap. And so I was trying to slowly get out of the ditch and then behind me, you come out of the water <laughs> that you had been under for a long time and you had you, you had found a reed and you were breathing like through a straw like a cartoon underwater waiting for me to come and you got me and you shot me in the back of the head and i remember i was like you win like i conceded to you that You're day. like you are the worst person i've ever met but it was amazing like i couldn't believe the depths that you would always go to to win these games and I was so impressed, and I couldn't believe... I mean, it was so hard even to stay underwater, let alone stay underwater for, like... You had to have been underwater for, like, three minutes. It was a while. It was pretty pretty <laughs> insane. And so that was... Uh, we would do that, like, every day during the summer. That was what we would do at the ditch, basically, for most of the time. So, Tales from the Ditch. That would have been a good introductory story, if I would have thought of it. So, Mr. Jake, how many siblings you got? So, I'm the youngest of four Wartgo children. Do you get along with all of them? Yeah. We actually all do get along very well. With siblings, because you have brother and sister, and I do too. Uh, Sean has a sister. Younger. Younger. Do you now look back and go, that's awesome i had sibling siblings they helped make me what i am do you look back and say they are my arch nemesis <clears throat> i will destroy them do you kind of look at them and see other aspects of your parents that you don't see in you i mean what do you what do you think about siblings man you you i've worked with your brother luke um with preaching and different things I've dealt with your older brother at the hospital. <laughs> dealt with. He was helping our son when he was born. I don't know why I have to talk about it like that. He was being nice. I'm like, ah. So, what do you think about siblings? Has that even affected who you became? Did it affect your faith? Did it affect, even when you saw some of them get married, did that affect how you even saw, like, marriage? Did you have discussions with them? Like, what do you think? Because I think your perspective on siblings is going to be different than Sean's and different than mine's. And I think that's a good jumping on point to judge everyone who listens to this podcast <laughs> sponsored by Kirk Gamer. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's definitely parts of my siblings that I see a lot of my parents in. There's parts that I see are very unique to them as people. But, um, one thing that comes to mind right away and I've 
spoken to my siblings about this in very small doses, but um, being the youngest of four, it was a very kind of at, at what level am I as good as them kind of thing. And mm. so you spoke of the two brothers and one's a doctor. One is soon to be a pastor. Nothing to live up to there. <laughs> <laughs> and then my sister is a successful businesswoman. And what's interesting is my entire life, I, I always like compared myself to them and not really mm. until, until recent years looked at like my own attributes as being good things. So um, it's been interesting kind of learning myself without comparing them, but also I, I love comparing myself to my siblings because I do think they are all very successful and it's That's just been cool. Are you, would you say that um, you hate them? <laughs> would you say that uh, <clears throat> in all honesty, if you're introspective and look inside of yourself and imagine this in as much of a real scenario as you can, <clears throat> if you were whatever your parents considered uh, less successful than them, are you? do you think you would be okay with that? Yeah, I mean... I don't, I don't know why I had that in my mind. I, that my parents would ever compare me to my siblings. Cause you know, they've definitely shown there's no competition between us. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's good parenting. <laughs> I'm a little jealous of that. But, uh, it's, I, I think there's part of me that would kind of self loathe in that mm. because if I was still living at home with them and kind of, working a part-time job and not doing anything else with my life, um, which I am kind of working a part-time job. Right now. Um, uh, can I just <laughs> say that's a little different. Don't you own a business with your sister? Yeah. I, that's more than a part-time multi-million job. Multi-million dollar business, folks. <laughs> multi-million dollar. You heard In of that, Apple? It's not that. It's the heart of Gardnerville, Nevada. Yes. But... My parents have, like I said, they've definitely never done anything to show to me that I, I, I wouldn't kind of grade up with my siblings. So, mm. so your parents wouldn't make that value judgment, but you feel like maybe internally you might a little bit. Yeah, easily. Because here's why I ask. Because I want you. All right, here's why I ask. Because I want to <laughs> ask Sean too. Sometime, tech guy Jake, can you have Seth stay closer to the mic? Yeah, I thought it was Greg. Is it tech, tech guy Greg? That's well, Jay's here, but he's not the. Is he? He's our guest. I know. He's our, yeah, he's our tech guy. All right. Well, well Wait, Greg's saying something. No. No, I told. Yeah, we're yes. good. We're good, Greg. No. No. Greg, maybe you should yes. leave. There's something on your desk on the way out. Uh, um. So here, here's why I asked. So, obviously, you can look at older siblings and go, oh, that was their marriage. That was their walk. Sometimes you have a whole Christian family and one of the siblings goes to church because everyone else does and then goes nuts at like 18 and leaves. Or there's this aspect. Your parents go, hey, as long as they do this, good for them. And they almost have this standard. And you know that standard, but almost want them to see you another way. Like they go, oh, as long as he's healthy and happy, cool. 
and you go, I want them to just see me as healthy and happy. Like some guys go, I want my dad to see me as tough and brave. I want my mom to see me as brilliant. Like you might even know like, Hey, I live up to a standard they want, but that's not enough. I actually want them to see me even different than that. Cause I could look and go by my parents' standard. They go, Oh, we're proud of this. I go, yeah, but you're not proud of me for what I want you. You'd be proud of me for because some people, so my brother is, uh, he was in the Marines and then Navy. And a big thing to me is my parents go, Oh, you're spiritual. You're the spiritual (laughs) one. And I go, cool. So by their standards, they're proud, but I go, I want to be proud of me because I'm spiritual. I want them to think I was tough and brave. And my brother has never worried about, he, he knew he had what it takes, but he's like, oh, well, Seth is a spiritual one. So it's funny. We both, in a way, a little bit want what the other one has. Did, you know what I mean? You know, I mean, yeah. One of the sayings my dad used to say when we were growing up is he wanted, he had four kids. So he wanted one kid to be a doctor, one to be a pastor, one to be an accountant, and one to be a lawyer. Whoa. Are any of you accountants? Every aspect of his life would be covered in those, in his children. <laughs> um, my brother is now a doctor. My other brother is now a pastor. And my sister's has a bachelor's in business management, which I think is pretty close to accountant. But yeah, uh, I'm nowhere near a lawyer. Have you met lawyers? <laughs> Briefly. No, I mean, really, has no. anyone met lawyers? I've talked to Yeah, them. we need to know a couple. I had to meet with some lawyers before. <laughs> They were cool, but they had like a stack of papers and were like, race right this, race right that. Like, <laughs> um, can we talk about... You didn't answer a question. Oh, there was a question for me? That The same. Oh, I, yeah. This, you didn't direct it to them. All right. I would like to point out too, there's a conflict of interest because my mom, and this is true, um, what she offered to adopt Sean, to actually adopt him. It's true. And you lived with us and Jeb, well, my brother sees you as a brother. So with you, you had a younger sister, no mm-hmm. other siblings. Right. What about you? Um, huh? I would say in terms of what we've been talking about, I have always felt to some degree like I couldn't live up to what my family expected of me, even though I was the oldest sibling. Um, and it wasn't even necessarily, to be honest with you, what my parents expected of me. I felt like it was what my parents thought that their family expected of me. Do you know what I mean? So like anytime I go to be racist, what was it? It was a little bit to, yeah. So I come, my lineage has a little bit of racism in it. And so quite literally, I remember in, uh, third or fourth grade i was dating um a girl named brianna who was black was that fourth grade oh yeah do you remember that yeah so uh i was dating her (laughs) and then i made a trip to um my great grandparents house when they were both still alive when i was a kid and they were, we walked in on them and they were having an argument. And then this big established family in Denver, like old Denver old money, right? Ah, Denver. Like my great grandpa was like a Freemason, like that type of like wacky money. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, I remember we walked in on them and they were having an argument because another one of the grandkids, uh, 
she's my aunt, I guess. She was dating a black guy. And my great grandpa was flipping out over it. And I remember him saying, like, uh, he was like, you know what? Um, you know, a robin will never marry a blackbird or something like that. He goes, it's just nature and you shouldn't be violating that or something like that. And I was really young and I didn't quite understand this whole thing. And I remember I started to speak up and be like, uh, actually, like I'm dating a black girl right now, you know, like as serious as a fourth grade relationship can be. And I remember my dad stopped me and he was like, it's just different people from a different time. And I remember that whole, it's different people from a different time thing really was like meant to influence me. Like, oh, you know, when you sit at a table, you're supposed to take the napkin and put it on your lap because it's just different people from a different time. Or, oh, uh, you're not allowed to actually like dye your hair or play guitar or things like that because your grandparents are different people from a different time. Something interesting uh like that seth got his drawing uh and um so i did feel that kind of pressure and i also felt like there's the pressure that you have to behave or to be a nice kid or whatever it is but for the most part i felt like i got to pave my own way and as much as we talk about getting in trouble you and me like we got away with a ton. My sister, on the other hand, everything she ever tried to do, she got caught for. I mean, she couldn't get it. I stole all the luck, apparently. Like, everything that we got away with, my sister got caught for. And she did not have it easy. To be fair, she was a little gangster. She was pretty hood. She did not give a crap. No craps were given. Like, I mean, she didn't try very hard not to get caught. <laughs> no. Yeah, remember she had like a bat or a knife, kitchen knife or something? I got away with stuff because my mom believed in my inerrant goodness. And despite being terrible at lying, she'd believe me. Because <laughs> I'd even look back, I was like, why would you believe any of what I'm saying? Like, there's no reason to trust me on any of this. <laughs> You're the worst liar, too. <laughs> your mom, you got a black eye or something, remember? And your mom was like, what'd you do? And you're like, oh, I like bumped it and scratched it on and just walked away. <laughs> and she's like, okay. I had, so at one point, my eye, my orbital, is that the orbital? Is yeah, that what you call it? It was cracked because Nort- Nortenio had punched me in the face. He was like six, four, huge. And I said, I was at a baseball game. I got hit in the face. She goes, you told me I like playing baseball. I was like, yeah. And walked off. Especially now. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, dude, that guy punched me so hard in the face. All right. But so you felt like that. Your sister is how many years younger than you? Five. Did any of this like affect, okay, how am I going to raise my kids or who you were or like all right, how, my identity? Like, or did you just go, whatever, I'm going. Actually, even if you react against that, that's affecting your identity. Yeah, if you were absolutely. Against, I mean, I think it definitely did. I'm gonna, I'm attempting to. I want to have more than one child. I only have one so far, but I want to have them closer together because I felt like my sister and I were a little too distant. How many years? Five. 
And so we're trying to have our kids closer together than that because also because like you go through school, assuming we're going to do public school, like my sister and I, I don't think ever went to the same school at the same time. And so I think it'd be good if we're going to do public school to have kids at the same school. Also, um, I think that we want, like one of the things that I did was I decided I wanted to own a house or be buying a house be in debt for a house before I had kids. And so you remember it was my wife and I waited 12 years before we, we were married 12 years before we had danger because I wanted to be buying a house because I didn't want to be raised. I didn't want to raise a kid in conditions that I was raised in, you know, like sleeping under the bed and in apartments and moving and things like that. You know, question, have either of you ever punched your dad? Uh, yes. Nope. Took it out on the wall instead. Did you miss the stud? <laughs> it's always like a game of roulette. <laughs> Question, because you are the mouthpiece of this generation. Are you a millennial? You're considered a millennial. No, right? technically, I... You're past millennial, Yeah, right? Generation Z. I'm the very okay, top then, of Gen Z. Then you can talk crap, because they're clearly they're worth... All right, well, here, let's get your opinion. So, there's 5,000 blogs on why millennials are leaving the church, why they're staring in the church, why we need to talk to them in the church. There's Rob Bell, like, photos of him rubbing millennials <laughs> on the back, saying, you know, here's... Like, have you ever, like... All right, there's, like... 500 opinions on this and i think i have i've talked to ryan smith about a little bit do you have any idea of like okay if millennials are leaving the church why because you're the next generation past them and you're still at the church but why so many they have this that's like the fear that's the threat it's like you know the chemtrails are gonna make us gay muslims are gonna make our shoes in the salami like what about millennials leaving the church no one seems to agree on this and it's funny not one of the authors writing it is a millennial they're all some 50 year old guy goes okay here's 15 reasons why they're leaving and everyone's like that's stupid someone else writes no here's 20 reasons why chemtrails are making you gay like why do you think why are they leaving the church i kind of think it breaks down to a millennial um lack of trust in any kind of future so Eternity is way too big scale for a millennial to even think because a lot of millennials don't even want to have to worry about their retirement because we don't believe there will be like a retirement for us. Right. So why plan for eternity when we don't, we're not even planning for 50, 60 years later. And so I think the mindset is I'm going to live my life right now. The church is restricting me from that. So I'm just going to leave it. And then maybe when I'm older, it'll, it'll work out. I actually had conversations with high school buddies that have talked about like, yeah, I don't really like religion. I don't want to belong to a church, but maybe when I'm married and have kids, I'll come back. Cause I, I think it'd be cool to raise my kids in that. Wow. That's interesting. YOLO. Is the statistic true? So the latest statistic on CNN was that 80% millennials have murdered a hobo at some point in life. Like, do you think those are accurate or no? Was that Wolf Blitzer? Wolf, Spritzer? Wolf, Wolf White Spritzer. Wine yeah. Spritzer? Sponsored by Wolf Spritzer. It was like, this is a fight. To me, it is. And that's all that matters. That's, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. You can entertain yourself. 
2,000 downloads, baby. I can say what I want. <laughs> That's right. We hit 2,000 downloads this week. I want to thank my five friends for doing all those downloads. <laughs> yeah. How many of those downloads did we buy? How do you buy tweets, by the way? I keep you hearing people. Follow, follow robots. I keep oh, yeah. hearing like you can buy tweets and buy friendship. I feel like I've been trying to do that for a long time. I haven't figured out the formula. <laughs> what What about... All right. So we got young blood here. He, he's got his finger on the pulse of the culture, ready to choke it off. <laughs> Kill him. Um, if you... So the American church, there's people saying, I don't want to even be called evangelical anymore. There's others saying, I don't even want to be a Christian anymore. Sometimes we throw out the baby with the bathwater. We go like, whatever, like... We don't do the math. Instead of saying, oh, that's them, we go, no, that's God. Um, if there was one thing you'd like to see in the American church change, if any, what would you like to be like if you're like, no, like if skies was the limit and you're like, we could see this change where when I'm raising kids or even, you know, as I'm growing older, it happened in church, maybe even something you've seen where you're like, man, why, why is that such a big deal? What would it be? And I want to ask you both. Okay. Jake first, not Luke, Jake first. Then we'll ask Luke. For the record, both of them have mistaken me tonight for my brother with name. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, no. Since recording? Have we done it on the podcast? No. no okay, okay so before. Recording. We'll just edit in with my British friend. <laughs> We're here with Jake. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I think debate is one thing that comes to mind first with me. Um, and you guys, you guys talked about catechism a little bit with Ryan Smith, but kind of that question and answer, I think people are so worried with, you know, this new run of identity politics and not offending somebody because you're offending who they are. And not a, a, enough of that is happening that it's discrediting any discussion or debate from happening. So that's why I loved, you know, I've been a, listener of this podcast since day one and and your guys longest podcast with tyler is one of my favorites because it he tyler from what i know about him he's not afraid of engaging in those and things like that and i think that's important on a i, I should say on a respectful level so here's the and you and i've talked about and i want you to answer like i'm looking at sean when i say you you, you're the problem. So I have, I think our country, a big issue is re pendulum swing. So people go, Hey, the church didn't talk about race since King. Well, now it's a problem. And instead of course correcting going, yeah, okay, let's talk about, but we'll make sure at the core of it, it's the kingdom, it's gospel. Now you have some people going, pushing back even harder going, why are you bringing up any issue? Piss off. And they're just shutting it down. And then some going so far to be like, no, no, no. Don't say anything. Like Dave Chappelle talks about this a little bit. He's like, I literally don't think like I can say anything. Like he has a lady who looks at him and goes in this special, you don't respect my interracial marriage. He's like, I'm in an interracial marriage to an Asian woman. And it's hard because I feel like you can either be the guy on one side who goes, Oh, I can't say anything. I should be able to tell anyone what I want. I go, well, as a Christian, I don't see us fighting constantly for a right of my whole purpose is to fight for why should be able to say this. I should, you know, I don't see Paul going, okay, my whole purpose is fighting for my rights and demanding them. And then you have the other side going, no, 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 no. 
you can't say anything. You have to look at everything. If even the smallest instance, one person says that's not the perfect way to say it, it's a huge deal. You blow it up. Like there's some stuff where I go, yeah, when you call poor people parasites and trash, that's too far. But when someone goes, hey, like, oh, Ed Sheeran won this award. And they go, oh, but he beat women. <sighs> what a stupid society. And you go, okay, but he didn't cheat or anything. He just... He just won. And they go, no, it's as bad as suffrage. It's as bad as this. And you go, whoa. So you have two pendulums of either a more traditional conservative pushing way back even more saying, we don't need to listen to stupid. And then the left, far, far left going, the smallest thing is outrage. The smallest thing is worth getting pissed about as opposed to, and Sean and I have talked about this, instead of coming as a Christian saying, okay, what side do I pick? Who, uh, what tribe do I jump into? You go, no, no, no. I come in a discussion with a better view, a better argument, a better story, and I come in and through Holy Spirit show the way. I don't often see I do. I see people going, well, I'm not on this team. I'm on this team. I go, you're still picking the team because Joshua, I remember he comes up to the angel and goes, whose side are you on, us or Amy? He's like, I'm with God. Yeah. And that's how I see we should be. But I don't see us coming in with a better story. We're just taking the stories that exist and Christianizing them. And we pendulum swing. And I think in some sense, the pendulum swing ends up being good because when we course correct, it goes too far. Someone else says, whoa, 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 whoa. But we've just seen it so much, I think, where it's like we went from, I was told, never talk about this, to that's all we talk about. And discussion, dude, so I've had Facebook posts where I went, okay, I'm going to be as civil as possible. And Sean's seen this. I've had like people in the comments get mad where I go, how did you get this heated this fast? And it's because in this age of identity politics, you have either, okay, I have to be affirmed. Otherwise, it's not true because it's not based on um, anatomy or anything that can be physically proven. It's more on what you feel or this side going, I'm not even going to listen to anyone I disagree with. They're idiots. They're more, you know, you see this all the time. They go, oh, this liberal destroyed <laughs> this stupid conservative. This conservative destroyed this moron liberal. And shared by Christians where I go, what in sharing that video made you think people are going to jump in the comments and go, ha dude, I am such a moron. Let's discuss yeah. this. Like it is, he dude, it is heated. The disc it's in a climate where I go, dude, like you can get torn apart and one. remember some of the posts I've said, even when I tried to be gentle, they're like, you're a communist. You hate this country. I'm going, Whoa, where did this come from? And then Sean comes into my comments and argues for 20 pages. And it's very, it's fun. Got to represent my boy. So what do you think, Sean, about American, you know, uh, if there was one thing you could change or see happen or? Uh, it's kind of been the theme of this podcast, even though we have no theme. Uh, it seems like we always talk about it. And I'm so frustrated with the church in America being um, almost feathered into or blurred into the political arena. And I'm not saying that like some angry kid who's like, you got to stay out of politics or trying to represent the separation of church and state. I'm just saying there's like this spirit. I feel like that's coming from the religious right. And the goal is to exercise control. And they don't say it that way, but it's like, uh, a lot of Christians think they have to establish control so that uh, America can finally become the Christendom that it was destined to be. Or even a um, left-leaning group 
thinks that they need to establish control so that, uh, you know, whatever their ideals are can be forced upon other people. And this isn't me being like a bleeding heart thinking that it's not my job to force my ideals on anybody. What I'm just saying is that when I see like the first century church and I see uh, even Christ's work, I don't see him coming in. You even talked about this, Seth, about the gospel being anti-imperial. I don't see Christ or the founding fathers of the church coming in and saying, we need to establish ourselves and we need to make sure that uh, the land is believing what we believe. And we need to do that through um, political involvement and discourse. I don't see them saying there's anything wrong with that. But I do see a lot of stuff that is antithetical to that, like Paul saying that I'll become all things to all men, um, uh, which I think is uh, almost the opposite of what I see a lot of celebrity evangelical Christians doing. Also, uh, I think like some of the things that we try to legislate, like we talked about this a little bit, like when... Hi, Judah. <laughs> when we talk about legislating things so that it would stop people from sinning, uh, I think that's so silly. Uh, I don't see any of us, or I, I'm sorry, I don't see any direction that can be construed to any of us from the Bible being about um, preventing or stopping people from sinning. I see it about having relationships with people. And appealing to people to stop sinning and depending on the power of God to change people's hearts as opposed to our debating skills or um, ability to out uh, smart people or or whatever else you see happening. Um, and so I think it's just also misguided. If you could get rid of that aspect, I think, honestly, a lot of people would join the church because they would have they'd be like, oh, yeah, the church is where the guy goes who always has me over to eat tacos all the time. And if that guy who makes those good tacos goes to church, it's good enough for me. If All right, so this is something that maybe, all right, this to me boils down a little bit of my frustration because people, that's a funny thing, even with Harvey, they'd be surprised how, who? and I hate using the term, they'd be surprised how conservative I am in some parts and liberal in some parts. Like, and I hate using that term because I don't like the idea of being like, well, I chose the conservative. I go, no, no, no. I chose what I felt was right. And the conservatives happen to line up with that on this position. If I told my mom that I prayed for election day but forgot to vote, she'd be angry. If I told her I voted but said, mom, I forgot to pray for who's going to be next president, she'd be like, but I did vote. She'd go, oh, okay, we'll just pray later. Hmm. And that, to me, shows a little bit of, I've been told to pray my whole life, yet, if I vote but forget to pray for who is going to lead the nation, she goes, well, it'll probably be okay. But if I pray, even if I say I fasted for three days, but went, oh, I forgot to vote, she'd go, what What are you doing? And it's not that, see... Or, can I, sorry, or what if you said, hey, I prayed, and I really felt peace with and maybe even that i heard from oh, god that yeah. i should vote for obama <laughs> oh my gosh because that that's our thing i felt like i was told i this is what i heard growing up seth hears from the holy spirit and then when i disagreed with them they're like well we think you need to pray about that 
So I heard from the Spirit when I was agreeing with them. But think of that. And people go, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, and I want them to explain to me because they go, well, but come on, when you vote, like, you can see a practical, real world. I go, you mean you can actually see a physical, tangible result? They go, yeah. I'm like, okay, that to me right there, I, I have never said conservatives are bad people. And I've seen liberal, same thing. I've seen far left Christian sites where I go, you're just as crazy. And I'm talking about the people who their ideologues. I'm not talking about your general person in Alabama who went, I'm just voting. You know, I prayed a little. I thought this is okay. But I have seen this zealotry of like, we have to get this in. And I even laughed because I told my mom, I said, didn't you vote for Trump? She's like, yeah, I'm all, and Hillary won Nevada. She goes, yeah. I'm like, okay, did you pray? And I don't know if she did. But that is what concerns me. I get the idea of they're like, well, because I do. I understand like the lean for it. I really do. But for that, that we're supposed to be these people are prayer and the kingdom. And I heard this article that I thought, well, I read this article that I thought was smart. It's almost like we think we're smarter than Jesus. He says to do something, we go, well, but if he was in our context, he would. And I go, you know what? That's the same argument people make. When they sin, they go, oh, well, if God knew my condition, I go, dude, it's still justification. Instead of saying, well, what if God said, because it's funny, if you take a verse about homosexuality, people don't say, well, what context are you in? They say, no, it's sin. And yet when I've said, hey, hey, I'm all about security for a nation. I am. I'm all about security. So what are we going to do about the refugees? They go, well, if God knew our context, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. If he knew? It's, it's stuff like that. That's what concerns me. I don't think people get that. I've said this over and over in sermons. I don't care if people have political convictions. I'm mad when they worship them. That's the issue. I, dude, I have friends all over the spectrum of politics, like you and I know, anarchists, communists, Republican, Democrat. But my issue is when a Christian goes, well, dude, if we don't do this, it's all over. I'm like, where is your hope? Cause it, it seems so morbid. It seems like there's no hope. There's no joy. And I watch them when they watch the news. They're mad all the time, left and right, where I go, I thought you were people of the cross. And they're pissed. They're discouraged. They're despairing. And I go, well, what? Where are you offering the world? Because you look as pissed off as they are. Can yeah, I, I don't know. Can I ask you something real quick? Oh, gosh. In regards to this. Um, I didn't get on a podcast and ask me ask questions. <laughs> you're Dutch. Go on. Oh, and uh, so, um, or so I'm told. Your history, uh, your great grandfather voted for Abraham Kuyper. I'm like, yeah, I'm ninety percent sure. I think, yeah, I think he was alive for when Kuyper was prime minister. But in any case, Kuyper, Abraham Kuyper was this guy in the Netherlands who bridged the church and politics was, would you say, and uh, just hearing that I'm like, Oh, that sounds terrible. You know, just because of the way that I feel and the, the way that I lean, would you say that he was able to do that in a better way? I mean, the Netherlands doesn't seem like they're doing so great right now, but maybe at the time, was it working out well for them or, or because in that situation you would say, Oh yeah, you gotta go vote for Kuiper. You know what I mean? If you're a Christian, you gotta vote for Kuiper. It's your responsibility. But that sounds so similar to like what I hear nowadays. Oh, you're a Christian, you have to vote for Trump. And I agree, um, 
that you have to vote your conscience, but I don't necessarily agree that you have to vote for Trump if you're a Christian. So what would you say to somebody in, when was that, early 1900s? He was late 1800s, 1900s. Um, Try and smoke. Sorry. So I would say this. Kuiper obviously had some things where he was not similar to Trump. So there's that. Uh, he was a pastor. <laughs> that was a good point. Um, so there's that. Two, even though I love a lot of the things Kuiper talked about, he had blind spots, uh, specifically having to do with native tribes, um, which I have to own that. Even though I love him, like I love his writing. Yeah, same thing with C.S. Lewis. I have to look at the stuff I disagree with and go, okay, fair enough. I still, even back then, um, because despite agreeing with so much what he did, because I love Kuiper and all of his views, if someone said, you have to vote, you're not a Christian if you vote for him, I'd still disagree with him even back then. Hmm. Because someone might say, I don't vote at all. Someone might say, Kuiper does this, but I have a different conviction. I'm from a different confession. Someone might say, uh, he does this. I don't think it's practical. And I could disagree with him, but I am big on unless it's commanded by... There's a difference between saying, hey, Jake, I don't think in my opinion you should do this, and saying, if you're a Christian, you would do this. Because I'm making a statement that if you... Do, it's like saying, well, this is a biblical view. If I made that statement, I'm saying, this is what a Christian would do if they do opposite. I'm saying, unequivocally, that's sin. I don't know if I can make that statement with Kuiper, despite the fact that he had such a biblical basis for what he was doing. I thought he was brilliant with the views he had. I thought it was great how he did things. But even that, I admit, there was blind spots. In and and that came more from, I don't think, his system, more from he was a fallen man yeah. and didn't see him. Um, I think Netherlands went downhill because I don't know who he discipled to take his place. I don't know if there was anyone to take his place. Because hmm. after he was gone, that was it. I mean, post-World War II, Netherlands... Like, if you look at Netherlands now, it's not known as a Christian capital. I have relatives over there now. It's not. So, yeah, even back then, I would vote for him in a heartbeat. I wouldn't have told people, if you're a Christian, you have to. I would have given my opinion. But that is just such, it's, it's, it's a hard statement. Because if you're saying that, you have to stand by that if they don't, you 100% know they're in sin. You're making a universal truth of like, no, this is, and that is a big statement. It's like when people go, well, I know you're going to hell. Oh, that's a... You better have scripture. You better have something concrete in verses to say, I know this. It's like when someone says, well, I heard from God, you have to do this. You better have something to back that up because I'm going to be held accountable for that. You're going to be held accountable. So that would kind of be my answer. Even back And you know what? I'm sure there were Christians who didn't vote for him. Some who probably said, I don't vote whatsoever. Kind of like you of like, you know, I don't want to be even in the process. Mm, there were people who took his stuff and twisted it for apartheid in Africa, actually. Really? And that kind of bums me out because I like love the guy. Kyperianism would support apartheid. They they used it and twisted to go because he had sphere theology, you know, separating different sections. He goes, oh, well, we should separate different ethnic groups too, and blah blah. And just it was a twisting, in my opinion, because he was condescending a little bit towards some of those tribes, but he didn't advocate for it. apartheid. Just took it to a new. And he was by Christians who did this, not politicians. That's yeah. what bothers me. But I have to acknowledge that. I can look at him and say, man, he did a lot of good. Like, he had some great views. Like, Anthony Bradley likes his stuff. But even Anthony, uh, Vincent Bacotti, in the foreword to Abraham Kuyper's book, and he's an African-American theologian, he goes, yeah, we have to acknowledge he was wrong here. And that's fine. And, and he's a fan of his, but he goes, no, he probably wouldn't have liked me. It's like, 
don't know. It's, it's nice it's when there's answer. fans, but not fanboys. You know what I mean? People yeah. who are willing to admit that they don't have to love everything and defend them for everything. Yeah, there's there's some good there's some good theologians. Uh, I like Piper. I don't always agree with him. Piper said stuff. Sometimes I go, no. Well, that's that's fine. You think that, but no, I'm not gonna go scream at everyone playing a video game. Like I'm not. <laughs> he wants me to go slap Troy and kick his seashells off the beach. Like I just, <laughs> I'm not. That's I don't know. What do you think about Kuiper, Jake? Big uh, fan. Uh, I can tell he's chomping at the beat. He goes, oh, they brought up a Dutch theologian. <laughs> he's gonna drop the Luther name real quick. He's on the top five thousand list of best-selling books. <laughs> Uh, I will I will say though, kind of what I was thinking as you were saying that Sean is, did Christians feel the same way? Because because it to the presidency in the United States, did Christians feel the same way about Jimmy Carter being right a, a good Christian, but he's a crappy president and not good. Not and good. right. So why weren't Christians you know up on the hill shouting, "We need to keep voting for Jimmy Carter"? And right, right. Habitat for Humanity, greatest single. Uh, <laughs> That's a true point, though. You can be a good Christian, but not necessarily a good president. Like Tim Keller is a good. I don't know if Tim Keller Unlike would be Trump. a good president, huh? Unlike Trump, <laughs> dude. It's it's like well, the only place I think biblically where I don't know if D. A. Carson would be a good politician. He'd probably be, he'd be like, shut up, that stupid theology. That's <laughs> like, true. I don't know. I would hate his speeches too. <laughs> No, just kidding. Your books are good. It's just, yeah. Um, I was going to say that when you consider like the playing field of politics and all of the things that happens during politics, it's got to be really hard to, to maintain a Christian lifestyle and be a politician at the same time. Mike Huckabee said he felt like he was selling his soul. Yeah. That's an ex-pastor saying that's that. Like you know, such a and people ignored game. that. I went, dude, he was a brother going, I felt like I was selling my soul. <sighs> but I think when like you consider a situation like, um, and I wasn't even alive for Jimmy Carter's presidency. I don't think. Jake but, was apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Jake but, was like, you let me down. <laughs> like, uh, I I think that's part of the problem that I want to add into my point earlier is that as Christians, we are lobbying for a better kingdom, not a kingdom on this earth, a kingdom that is to come after Christ uh, redeems creation. And, um, I can't think of anywhere biblically where it says, um, other than Jeremiah 29, where it says that we're supposed to be so involved in improving uh, the state of our nation on behalf of Christianity. I literally can't find any other place. Or, I, I mean, I guess you could see people in Israel seeking the good of the kingdom. But again, look how that turned out. You see in Jeremiah 29, he tells the exiles, seek the good of your land that like you can prosper and marry people and grow gardens and all of that stuff. Everything in the New Testament I see says endure until Christ comes back. Jake, do you have an answer to that? Because I do. Do you have an answer? Don't. I know your family's smart as crap, dude. All right. Here's here's why. Where? I am pushing back on your idolatrous (laughs) chubbatus. (laughs) 
Um, I would say this. So we know it says love your neighbor. So there's implications with that. Um, we know that in Genesis, we see ordinances of, okay, we're supposed to be stewards of the earth. Um, that's why I, I think I'm okay with hunting, but not hunting animals to extinction. Um, we know we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. Um, no reason so far to vote for Trump. I know, I know, no, no, no. I, this is what I'm saying for it. Cause I'm trying to make a case for this because a lot of the time you have people taking implications and t- stretching them as far as possible. Like this, the Bible doesn't bring up heroin, but people go, Oh, it says not to do this. So by implicate, and they kind of stretch it out, you know, kind of like walk it through. I think people have taken those. I think you can make a biblical argument for that. You should care about the flourishing of the planet as a whole and all nations, all people. And thus, because your nation belongs in that world, care about it. But I don't see it saying that you should put that nation above all others and prioritizes that's the only one that matters. You may have emotional attachment specifically that one or, or the people there because you're in close proximity. But I would have no problem if instead of saying just God bless America, we said, hey, God bless the world. We want to see all nations, all tribes. So I think there's an argument to be made for flourishing and caring and desiring the good. But we take that and I've seen most people say, that just means America. Cause I've brought up even to some people of like, Hey, like what about other countries? And they go, well, that's good. But God, like America is God's country. So I feel like they're pulling it back where I feel like God would take it. For, see, I don't think we take it um, too far. I don't, I don't think we take it far enough. We need to be like as much as people are zealous for America. I would love to see them that zealous to see everyone in the world loved flourishing and knowing Christ. I think I we should need to take you. it further. And I think it's that we've, I don't think it's that we've taken the gospel too far. I think we've reduced it and twisted it because I don't think God would be against saying, Oh, Sean cares about the poor in America. As long as you cared about the poor everywhere. And, and I think we need it. So I think there's an argument to be made for that, but that's the thing with arguments. I see people either corrupt him, exaggerate him or diminish him. It's rarely because we're on the mark. It's because we took the mark and we switch it. Cause we go, well, once again, I know a little better than Jesus. We won't say it that way, but we think we're a little more street smart than Jesus. Right. And just like, I rarely hear people say, I am praying that Vladimir Putin gets saved. Right. They go, well, he's the enemy. I go, well, you were the enemy of God before you got saved. And I'm not saying I love the guy. I mean, I'll fight him, but it's like, he, we should be concerned about the salvation of all. I thought all nations, I don't think Paul would say, I don't see Paul saying, dude, Israel's the only, imagine if Paul said the Gentiles, he goes, if the Gentiles don't sing the national songs of Israel, they clearly aren't Christians. Uh, the The Greeks would be like, uh, "No, piss off, we're not yeah. doing that." Like it, I don't know. Uh, that's I what press- I think. I think we need to take it. It should be bigger. I think we've reduced it, and that's let us huddle in America. It's like a silo of like, it's not wrong to love this nation. It's that you've only loved this because I've seen people literally say, "I heard this once from Christian." He goes, well, "Why are other nations my problem?" If they want to yes, find God, they can exactly. find God. And I go, if they want to find God, they can find God. He's like, yeah, that's not my issue. I go, yeah, well, that's shoot, what I was going to say. I press Christians on the border, you know, like the wall. <laughs> We're going to build a wall um, to keep people out of America. And I've, I've pressed them on that saying, well, why are we going to do that? And they go, well, because they bring in crime and poverty and other things that are undesirable. And I go, well, what are, you know, we're talking about the Mexican border. And so a lot of Christians 
have a really, I think, unfortunate opinion that um, all of the bad things exist in Mexico and don't <coughs> inherently in the United States. Haven't and we killed keep 50 million babies? I just want to make sure. Yeah, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the U.S. too. And I'm not saying there's no crime in Mexico, and the point's not... I've been to Mexico. Sean it's, has been stabbed on 10 Tijuana different occasions. Tijuana and Nogales are, the, are some of the worst places I've ever been to in the world. Uh, not quite as bad as Detroit, but almost. But either way, my point is, like, so say we do keep people from coming into the United States. There's still terrible conditions in Mexico. Shouldn't we have a heart for that? I, I As would, Christians, I would actually be that? I would actually be more open to some of the discussion if it didn't because if someone says, "Well, I want to do this and I want people to follow the law," I have no problem with following the law. But then I go, "Okay, okay." Say we did that though. What's your follow up answer though? And afterwards, how can we bless Mexico? And once again, that's not my problem. I think I think that's right, my issue. Right. See, it's it's we don't have this full thought. It's like even when people say, "Well, do you care about security?" I go. Oh, dude, I'd prefer if terrorists don't blow me up. I go, okay, let's say we did that. All right. If we had all the security you want, what are we going to do after then for refugees? And it was, well, look, we can't save the world. I go, whoa, it's, see, they're taking certain aspects instead of a full, see, it's diminishing to me. I think we need to go bigger of like, I don't think you have to say it's a false equivalence to go, well, if Jake supports refugees, he doesn't care about security. I, I don't think that's true. I think he can do both. I think he can fight for both. And it's like saying, if you are against abortion, you don't care about single moms. I don't think that's true at all. I really, I think that's a false equivalent. I don't know. I want to hear Jake's on this. He's I got two too. PhDs. Go ahead. Come on, Jake. <laughs> Sponsored by Toffee. Hallelujah, Toffee. Um, no, I think it's interesting. And it comes back uh, to the point of this discussion of like, at what point is this is this being talked about? Because you said you want to hear from me, and and you know you look at my age group and stuff. These things aren't talked about as openly, even within the church, you know, between Christians, and um, and so it's hard to formulate your opinion on these things when you have our our only <laughs> means of like getting this information outside of conversations like this is through social media, where you know, no offense, Sean, but I, I'm going to go through the comments of Seth's, one of Seth's posts, and I'm going to skip over all your comments because those are way too long and I have way too short of his attention span. <laughs> too long to read. <laughs> right. And I, I could be missing valuable information in that that I could seriously self-reflect on, but in conversation settings and debate settings and, you know, things like that, I'm not just, I, I can't just glance over that because we're in it. Right. So... It, it makes it too. If you get in that uh, echo chamber, it starts to become this new. Co- I was talking to Dane Daly about this. It becomes this new cop out of you see a conservative article, and because you tend to not agree with conservatives, you go, Well, I don't have to read that. I automatically know it's wrong and stupid. Here's the thing it may be a, a newspaper I completely disagree with, and sometimes still has an article where I go, Well, they were right on this. I could disagree on this, this, and this. It doesn't mean they're wrong. Like my dad has a different theology in me. It doesn't mean he's never right on it. It's that whole taking the meat, but like leaving the bones. Like there's been articles. I know people go, well, it's from this new site that they never say anything right. And I go, look, I know generally they may say some garbage stuff. I go, what if this time they were right? But they do it. They go, well, I don't have to read that. I go, 
But what if they are giving you a perspective or they do this, they do this. So you have an argument or Jake does and they go, well, look, I'll give you Jake's perspective in a nutshell and you can look at mine and you tell me which one's right. And they don't get the best of the best to represent your point. Mm -hmm. They find someone they can easily refute and go, this is Jake's point of view and then give theirs. And theirs is this great speech and go, oh, well, gosh, you're seeing so much better. And I go, no, no, no. I want to see the best of their side give an argument because there's some people who go that's not even my argument right. i wouldn't even subs- i wouldn't even like acknowledge that like i wouldn't even own that and say that's my position and that is not how does that we're christians if we have the spirit literally we debate worse than people who don't follow god i've seen people who are non-christians debate better than that mm-hmm. Be, like john stewart debated with bill o'reilly he had more charity than some christians that is ridiculous. A guy who goes, I'm not even a believer, and you have to be civil in these discussions. It well, just Christians, I think, <laughs> are so afraid of not having the right answers or not knowing what they're talking about or getting stumped that it's not worth it to get in the discussion if I'm not prepped already, you know? Right. So, like, you talked about... Ryan like, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you talked about... <laughs> maybe that was that podcast. That you, you guys don't bring up the topics that the person coming on of this podcast think you're going to bring up because you know it'll be scripted right right so yeah i really do feel that when you when somebody asks you a question if you're willing to talk about it which you don't have to talk about it but if you are willing to talk about it i know that what we're going to hear is something that you passionately believe as opposed to something that you read or you've practiced before or you prepared for like, I want to hear, I really want to hear, we were talking about this earlier, Jake, like, when I listen to a podcast, I want to hear somebody's genuine, honest mm-hmm. opinion. And sometimes that's terrible. Sometimes people's opinions are awful. And, but I want to know what they really think. I don't want to know what they're supposed to think. And I'm kind of curious, too, uh, in, so, like, M. Night Shyamalan? Things... <laughs> I thought that's, oh, sorry, I read that wrong. I thought that's where you're going with this. I oh, really no. misread the situation. <laughs> Maybe. What were you going to say? I'm curious now. No, I, I totally misread that. Go ahead. I just, uh, sorry, I, I'm guys. actually Old curious. Seth Rue got this wrong. <laughs> oh, I think I know what you're thinking of. And I'm almost going there, but I'm actually, I'm trying to, I'm trying to direct this to Jake. So say you're, say you know everybody in, in your church or your community group or on social media. Is are there things that people are arguing about or going on about or like that I'm defending Seth and commenting about a thousand times that like honestly you just don't care about and like things that you don't have a stake in the game on and like you don't understand why people are so passionate about? Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> I can't think of I can't think of specific examples um, right off the bat, but I think one thing that I've really never had a good I've been able to carry a good conversation on is anything relating to drugs because hmm. that's never been a part of my life. Even fair enough. No. Even into like early early adulthood, like the good majority of my friends or even like acquaintances didn't even weren't even around it. So moving to Reno and getting into more of these discussions and especially kind of politically now, like it's a big topic and I have no idea where to start with a lot of it. Right. 
Fair enough. That's a great example. There's huge, angry discussions on whether or not legalizing weed in Nevada is a good idea. And we did w- legalize it. And that was something that, I mean, I was hoping for when I was 16. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine one day them legalizing weed. But now it's morphed into this whole different thing. And there's all this nuance about it. And like, there's all this new technological, technological advancement. You got it, it, baby. You got and, this. uh, and all this <laughs> stuff. Through. Oh, my CBD pills are kicking in. <laughs> so, um, you, uh, having never been around it like you don't understand the debate you don't understand like why people maybe are so passionately for having legalization or maybe like in my case when i see people who are super passionate for legalization i think of my 14 year old self and say jake is they a just drug smoke weed. <laughs> yeah but um so when that discussion occurs like what's your reaction you just say I, I don't want any part of this, or do you... He's like, zip it up, zip it zip out, it out. walks away. Well, now I've, I mean, I've been able to kind of formulate an opinion now because I recognize that I didn't have an opinion before, and the topic has been brought up so much more than it used to. Um, but, well, <laughs> so on that topic uh, specifically, so on marijuana legalization... I couldn't tell you what I voted. I don't remember. Because <laughs> um, that's how that important so voting much. is, right? <laughs> no, I appreciate that honesty. Yes. Oh, so, so good. Oh, sorry. So Continue. Um, but <laughs> I now I under I am able to understand it, and I've I've seen kind of some of the more arguments. I've listened to some of the arguments. Where I stand personally is um, the thing with marijuana that i don't understand is the main argument seems to be based around the medicinal aspects of it and this is again this comes from me not knowing it enough but to me it seems like why isn't just as much medicinal like it all it seems like all the same medicinal attributes can be received through cbd with non-hallucinogenic properties right no thc and i've heard that as well but yeah, that doesn't really come up in the debates. It's just, should it be legal or shouldn't it? Right. And it's a big blanket law. Mm-hmm. I'm all for CBDs. All like, I I dislocated my kneecap last summer, and I used yeah. some of the CBD oil on my knee, and a buddy of mine was using it, so he offered it to me, and it works. Does it really? <laughs> yeah. It it reduced the tightness of those those tendons, like, within two days. That That's was the crazy. funnest Jake has ever... Well, here, here's the thing, though. <laughs> I got so high from that. I think we need to stop accepting premises set by the culture. Because they go like this. They go, you're either this or this. And people go, okay, why do we accept it? Why do we go, well, I guess I have to. They don't have that spiritual authority over us. Because they say, well, you're either with this or against this. I go, no, 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 no. I, I rebuke your premise at the beginning. Because here's what I would love to see. Like, love to see. So you have a guy grows up maybe on the border and he's only seen the bad of immigration. He's seen an illegal immigrant and, and didn't have insurance and a car accident happens. He's seen crime committed. He's watching TV and everything he's told is they don't care. They're ruining this. Your neighborhood's going down. He's never even met someone from that culture and he legitimately is scared. You then have someone else who says, 
I've come here illegally. And if I go back, it's a death sentence. I was nervous of the cops. I was nervous of the government. Yeah, I, I, I might have broken the law to get here, but it was my life. I didn't want to die. And this country, I've been told, is amazing. <clears throat> I don't want to just tell people how to, you know, um, what to think. I want to challenge them how they think of where those two people can come together and go, okay, okay, okay. All right. How in this will we love God best and then love our neighbor best? Is there anything in church history? Is there anything with theologians? And have this whole foundation that by the time they come to a voting booth, they're not hearing, oh, this this person told me anyone who disagrees with me is racist, or this person told me that if I don't vote this way, they're going to murder and rape me. We can have a discussion, but we accept their premise. The premise is, oh, Sean didn't do this. His opinion is stupid. The premise is, oh, Jake is younger. Don't even listen to him. And I don't know why we keep accepting these premises of, well, you're with or against us. I go, no, no, no. You're with God or you're not. This, it's that whole abortion thing. Well, you either care about babies or you're a murderer. Oh, well, you either care about single moms or you don't at all. And I reject him both because Russell Moore, this is why I like him. That guy's my man. Like he has shown, he goes, yeah, I'm against abortion. They go, oh, if you are, then why don't you adopt? He goes, I have two or three times. And they go, oh. <laughs> He has shown, he goes, it can be both and, but it's because he refused to accept the premise. But we've been doing that for so long of, well, these are my options. Says who? Well, because I have to, and it's presupposition on presupposition, where it bothers me that your experience is being lost in this discussion where I didn't even know that about you. I could go, oh, well, did that actually work? Yeah. And I didn't need this or this. And I go, well, I don't see that going against scripture. I could support that. But that discussion is lost because I've had people rip me apart and everyone's brave in comments section because I can't hit them. But it's like, I've seen, I've seen Sean, same thing, bring up a perfectly reasonable thing. And their argument is, I don't have to listen to you because that's not valid. It's stupid. Yeah. I I just wish I want to see those two people come together because we had Simon the Zealot and a tax collector in the same group. And yet we are so divided where I go, of course they're not buying our story because it's not any better than theirs. We should be telling the story where they go, gosh, they're loving, they're caring, they have a kingdom. They're talking about a paradise, a redeemed cosmos. I kind of want in on that versus, well, they're conservative or liberal, but with a Christian twist. Well, I can do without that. <laughs> what? Why do I need that? Because it's like... Even with business, all right, so uh, how long have you been kind of running uh, this business? You and your sister are co-owners, or what is it? I wanted to ask you about that. So, so Amanda uh, is majority owner of the business. Okay. I'm minor owner of the business, and I so she handles basically the business side of things, mm-hmm. and I am in the role of the store manager. Okay. And that's, and we, so we've been doing that for actually four months tomorrow. Okay, and I want and – and there's a point just because I, I know you have opinions on this is I don't want – or even views on business to just be, well, this is the premise. I go, no, no. Does the Bible lay ethics out on what to do with business? Does like, all right, people look at Augustine. Mm -hmm. He had views on war. Think of that, a biblical view on war instead of, well, conservative or this, or Justin Martyr said, I have a view on um, the spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. He wrote apology one, two, and three. I think it's about apologetics instead of saying, well, we're accepting their premise. We're going, we have our own premise and reclaiming. And that's why I think where Sean and I have been frustrated is it's not that um, 
I'm mad people disagree with me, but there's not even the discussion. I've seen people read a guy and go, no joke, go, you're a kid. What do you know? I go, but he was right. He was, what if he was right? They go, well, I don't have to listen. I go, okay, you don't, or they say, well, that's your thought. That's fake news. Or, well, that's conservative BS. I go, okay, well, you've shut down the discussion. Nothing's happened. Aren't we kind of programmed to do that? To oh, yeah. live into that? Like, yeah. even... As Ameri- I, mean, like, I don't know if every country's like that. I mean, is I that know. American That's what I'm wondering. thing? I mean, I, I feel, like, I feel like it was even like, it's funny. We become full circle. <laughs> uh, we've come full circle talking about growing up and expectations of parents and stuff. But it's like, I feel like it starts with your expectations from your parents. And then for me, at least in school, like how many things, okay, here's actually a question for both of you. How are there any, and if so, what are they, that are outright lies that you learned and believed for most of your life and then realized as maybe an adult that were not true? So, for example, here's one that I learned, like, your heart is uh, important and you should follow your heart and do what your heart says. Or what else did our teachers teach us in school? Oh, yeah, your nose hairs protect you from getting a cold. That's not true. That's a lie. Having nose hairs doesn't do anything. Who told you that? The teachers in school. We went to school. I don't know about that. like, all kinds of other things like that. Oh, like the... um, That I had to know the mitochondria was the powerhouse of the cell. Yes. Yeah, the importance of understanding the difference between a nuclei and a... You know, oh, there's an electron. And a Did thing. you just assume they're nuclear? <laughs> I assume they're <laughs> Did, you, m- did you just assume they're anatomical structure? Atomical structure? <laughs> no. But my point is, like, we're taught to learn facts and believe those facts for the rest of our lives. But some of those facts aren't real. They're just, like, opinions from our teachers or our parents or whoever else. Like, did you guys have anything like that? Or am I the only one in the world who has felt that way? Starting with Seth, I guess. Okay. So, (laughs) what can I say that I was taught that wasn't (laughs) super racist or wrong? I believe, oh, here's, I got another one. Go on. I was told in elementary school that the ocean is blue. Because the sky is blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because you're just seeing the reflection of the sky. And then I remember I was like, well, why is the ocean still blue when it's cloudy out? Or why is a bathtub or a swimming pool blue when it's inside? <laughs> and the teacher goes, stop trying to disrupt the class, Sean, with all your Uranus and Uranus. Is it Uranus or Uranus? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Both of them are ridiculous names. We told, Call it something else, We told idiots. Maverick, we said, all right, this is the planet Uranus. And he goes, that's my anus? And I went, yeah, buddy. He goes, why is it out there? I'm like, I don't... Exactly. Why? Why haven't we renamed that? Um, is Pluto a planet now? No. That's another thing. I thought it got retracted again. Is it reinstated? I, yeah. Oh, really? I, I didn't know. know that. Dang, Muslims You guys kicked out Greg. He could give us that information. Greg, Greg um, where are you? He's on his third marriage. He's kind of going through some stuff. I just... 
Things haven't been going well at home for old Greg. We're fun to be around. Um, yeah, so I heard some theological things that were stated as fact, not hmm. opinion. Like, this happened in a certain culture because it's a curse from the Old Testament. So it's not sin that we treat them that badly. Um, wow. I'd hear things like, okay, this happened to Native Americans, but come on were they they it's not like they had this utopia so i mean it's not that big of a deal it's, they were all right it was a terrible place anyway so a lot of justification yeah a lot yeah, of mine true. is race-based I, actually <laughs> i do remember this from oh christopher columbus was the greatest guy on the planet i was told he was the most fantastic and they said it is in undisputed they said that he was he was a good explorer he came in wasn't it america vespucci and the vikings discovered america first yeah and Magellan, maybe? I was told he was guy? undisputed. Undisputed, these facts about Columbus. Yeah, Columbus was late. Late to uh, show up. One other thing about the thing. Remember? Um, My dad in, did tell me something that was true, though. I said, when you get older, is it just working at a job you hate till you die and there's nothing better? And he's all, yep. I was eight, by the way, when he told me this. That was a great encouragement. Eight years old. That was my dad's advice. Um, in sixth grade, do you remember a guy came to our school and told us stories about history in sixth grade? And we went to like the lunchroom and heard stories from this guy. Do you remember that, Seth? Because we was were in different classrooms. They separated us for sixth grade. Um, I had problems even back then. Yeah. So we were talking about slavery. And of course, it was crazy. All these sixth, fifth and sixth graders, because we had combo classes, um, were in the lunchroom and they were talking about slavery. And the kids had a greater understanding of like the doctrine of the Imago Dei better than adults. <laughs> and the kids were like, this is wrong. How can you have slaves? Like, it's so messed up. Like, how come you could do this to people and all of this stuff? And the adults kept making excuses and i remember the guy who told the story it stories. was a different time yeah he goes well no this one guy he goes well you know who sold the slaves to the americans other africans and i was like and i remember assuming that i go oh then that actually makes it okay like is that what i'm supposed to be thinking and i remember feeling that like oh and i remember I always re have remembered that. And whenever I've talked about slavery, I've always remembered, oh, well, did you know it was Africans that sold them? And I was like, that is besides the point. How can you tell sixth grade class this, that it's okay, that slavery is acceptable because somebody else. Sean comes to me and says, Seth, how could you buy a six-year-old prostitute from Bosnia? I go, did you know it was a Bosnian who sold her to me, though? Exactly. Oh, well, you're exempt, Seth, because the boss... That all right, one, if it's true, which by the way, there's some nuance they're missing, aka facts. If it's true, that means we're both scumbags. It doesn't exactly. get it's like saying, I murdered someone, but do you know the guy brought him to me was from his same city? They're like, Oh, you're so brave. Like it's just Exactly. It's one, it's it doesn't take us off the hook. And two, to act all right, they didn't build the ships. They didn't tell us to rape them. They didn't make us come over and make them for breeding. They didn't tell us what to do with them. And it wasn't only them. And a lot of them who did that, you know, come from prisoners of war, different stuff like that. It wasn't like everyone was doing that. And by the way, 
unless we had had the resources and established the transatlantic slave trade, it wouldn't have been possible. They didn't have, they literally, <clears throat> that percentage that sometimes sold took this small part and we go, well, the, it's like the Native American thing. Oh, you slaughtered them, but they were killing each other. Uh, we yeah. were, we killed each other in several exactly. wars. It it's, doesn't even uh, matter if a whatever. slave sold themselves to I'm us. Done. It's still not, I don't even care. It's not acceptable. And it's certainly not something to instill in a sixth grader. And here's no. the thing. Here's my real deep frustration. What grinds your gears? Is what I learned that day was that um, that adults are smart, that I'm not intelligent, and then that with intelligence you can justify anything. And so I started seeking intelligence so that I could justify anything because I knew that that was the way to live. And... Literally, that I think that plagued almost my entire adulthood because I was trying to figure out. I'm like, I do so many messed up things, uh, and I spent so much time just figuring out ways that I could actually uh, qualify them as acceptable things through intellect. When what turns out to be true is that it's just not okay. If, that people have this inherent value, and it doesn't matter slavery in like in American slavery, I guess we'll just say is absolutely not okay. No matter what, absolutely. There's absolutely no excuse or no justification whatsoever. It was a sin and it was a sin that was something that our country started out with the prosperity. Maybe that our country has had was even built on the backs of this sin and it's disgusting and deplorable. But I learned in sixth grade that it's okay because of some silly debate argument that you learn in debate 101. Your class was vastly different. Dude, you were in the, I swear you were in the same assembly. I don't know. I had drinking. Here's the thing. So, but here's the thing I think of too is the people involved were Christians. So when they go, well, they did this, you're the Christian. You're the one held to, it doesn't matter. It's like when people say, well, they were like this. You're the Christian. That's why sometimes when I hear these arguments, I go, if you look at Genesis, man has not stopped trying to justify sin. And they go, oh, it's just guilt. No. The Native Americans I've talked, all right, so a good guy, Mark Charles, he's a Native American theologian, Christian, just awesome guy. He's never asked for people to just feel guilty. He wanted reconciliation. He wanted people just to like, like uh, some of the Catholic uh, orphanages that ended up like kids got molested there. He just wanted him to repent. He, that, that was it. Like, think of that. He wasn't asked for money, anything else, because he said the law isn't enough if there's no reconciliation. Like Martin Luther King, we pass a law. Okay. All that did was tell someone, okay, when someone applies, I can't tell them I won't hire them because they're the N-word. I have to come up with new reasons. It didn't change their heart. He said there has to be reconciliation. I've seen people yell at him, and he's using scripture, like call him names even, and he's and he's this nice old man going, uh, I just want people. Re and he even said he was the one who suggested, I don't think we should use reconciliation because that's assuming there was a time we were already good together and we're bringing it back to. He goes, I say conciliation because it's never existed. Yeah. And, and it's hard because here's this guy. They go, Oh, you're a hypocrite. You're this. He's like, I'm pro, I'm not this lip, liberal hippie, you know, that they accuse him of. He legit, that's our thing. We go, Oh, liberal. It's a, pejorative or whatever, or a derogatory term. It's like, assume like, well, of course we all agree they're all terrible. No, like 
He literally wants reconciliation, and it's not about guilt. But since Genesis, we cannot just look at our brother and go, I, I was wrong. Just, just do that. It's not even like saying, I'm going to turn Dude, back yeah. time. Just saying, no, I sinned. Like, you and I do that with our kids. You do that with your spouse or your friends. You just go, ah, my bad, man. And we're like, no, that that's guilt. I'm not going to do it. No, it's just owning it. It's just saying, yeah, I'm sorry, man. And he... I want to change my uh, answer from earlier when you talked about the one thing that I could remove. What would be one thing? It's the like lack of reconciliation for pride. If you follow Jesus's ministry or listen to the, especially the sermon on the Mount, but pretty much anything Jesus said, reconciliation was so important to him. He even says at one point, the ministry of reconciliation, he says at one point, he says, if you come to offer a sacrifice at church and you have something against your brother, he goes, drop it. And go reconcile with your brother. Like our modern context, that would mean if you're coming to church to worship God and you still have beef with somebody, go squash that beef immediately and then come back to church. We have beef with like several tribes and four (laughs) cultures. We're all, let's take communion. Yes, exactly. Reconciliation is so important. And that should be part of communion. You should be during communion saying, before I take this communion, do I need to reconcile with anybody before I do this? Jake, do you got to go? So this is uh, the end of episode nine. Um, I do want to thank our sponsors, uh, Legion uh, Ligonier. How do you say it? Ligonier. <laughs> Ligonier. Bahanamamut. Bahunamamut. No? Ligonier. Was it? How do you say it? Bahamut. Legion. No. The- uh, Ligonier. <laughs> Yeah, I will say this, dude. RC's, on a serious note, RC's for all passing. I know I didn't agree with him on everything, but he was a blessing. He's a, I think he was guy, a baller for sure. He first. was, I felt like he was civil in debates. How is it he's passed and Billy Graham's like, I'm going to make it to 120? Like, <laughs> it just, all right. This is the end of part one. We might do another episode with Jake, um, multiple PhDs from the Kirk Cameron Foundation. All right. Oh, God. Say Tales that. from the Ditch. Uh, send them to Tales from the Ditch is a gmail.com. Thank you. 2,000 episodes or 2,000 downloads. Downloads. <laughs> <laughs>